Hey there. Welcome back to Darker Days of Dorothy Gale. Still not quite ready to get on to part three, but to tide you over, I'm going to go ahead and do the lazy thing and put this big recap of Dark Days of Dorothy Gale up. And then uh, sometime soon, hopefully, probably next week, I'm going to go ahead and repost the big recap for the first part of Darker Days of Dorothy Gale. And then after that, I'm going to post the big recap of part two of Darker Days of Dorothy Gale. So that way, before you get to part three, you can get a nice little, uh, you know, uh, refresher course. Or you can skip those, and, and it it's really up to you. Either way, enjoy the show. Or not. Because, again, it's it's really just up to you. Dark Days of Dorothy Gale Not Quite There Hey there. Welcome to Dark Days of Dorothy Gale. It's a book. And a podcast. And it's available pretty much wherever podcasts are found. There's a good chance that if you're listening to this right now, you already have a podcast app of choice. And you have already found me. My name is Tyler Martinez, author and host of Dark Days of Dorothy Gale. A better explanation of this Dark Days of Dorothy Gale thing is that it's a vicious and mature retelling of the L. Frank Baum classic, The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. It's told with a sinister smile and a wicked, dark sense of humor. There's a little bit of sexual content, a little bit of blasphemy, and a fair amount of violence. If you're not into the whole horror thing, that's okay. I get it. It's not everyone's jam. But that doesn't mean I don't have anything to offer you. I have also read The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, so, if all you want is a free audiobook, that's great. I'm here for you. Seriously, I don't even put ads in front of those episodes. It's pretty much a public service for anyone to enjoy. I even populate it with funny voices. As far as this podcast thing goes, it's pretty simple. Read some Dark Days, read some Wonderful Wizard of Oz, and compare the two, while offering a sometimes rambling insight into my writing process and inspiration. Spoiler alert, there's a lot of references to Silent Hill and relatively obscure music. I realize that discovering a podcast is easy, but really getting into it can be kind of difficult. The audiobook portion of Dark Days of Dorothy Gale has officially concluded. The entire thing, not including this episode, 
was a whopping 128 episodes, crammed into about 39 weeks, for a total run of nearly 29 hours. The length of each episode varies. A lot of them only run 10 to 15 minutes, while some of them barely scratch 5 minutes. There's even one or two that clock in around 60 seconds. If you think about this as a series on Netflix or a book on Audible, then it's really not that weird to go back to the beginning. If you're still listening and still not sold on starting from the beginning, that's okay. In just a minute, I will be giving you a full recap, where I attempt to bring you up to speed. I'm only going to recap Dark Days of Dorothy Gale. So, if you're curious about the wonderful Wizard of Oz, I'm sure there's plenty of summaries out there you can read. I guess if you really want, you could go back and listen to all the Aftermath episodes as well. Come to think of it, that's a great way to get caught up. What am I doing this recap thing for anyway? Oh, right. I'm a narcissist that likes to talk. And it's more convenient for you, the potential listener. But really more the narcissism thing. Oh, and if you've been listening every week or have caught up from the beginning, thanks. It honestly means a lot to me. So much more than words could possibly describe. I've seen the numbers for this thing, and at the time of this recording, there isn't a lot of you out there. Even though I don't know many of you personally, you still mean the world to me. Okay, so here we go. Also, a reminder, Dark Days of Dorothy Gale is a reimagining of the book The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, and not any other iteration of the story. Also, if you listened to the Halfway Home recap about halfway through Dark Days of Dorothy Gale, some of this may sound somewhat familiar. Previously, on Dark Days of Dorothy Gale. Chapter 1 wasn't really a chapter. It was an epilogue at the beginning of the book. I know, I know. What can I say? It found Dorothy running through the Green Palace, trying to escape the Tin Woodman's wrath and the Lion's rage. All that was left of the Scarecrow was his arm and his head. Dorothy found herself hanging on to the outside of the castle wall, saying that age-old line, There's no place like home. Of course, the Woodman shows up and agrees. Chapter 2 wasn't really a chapter either. It was a prologue. We meet two Munchkin brothers discussing how best to kill a witch as they watch Mombi the Wicked in the distance, picking flowers only to make them wilt. It's very vaudevillian, and I love it. One of them suggests dropping a house on her. The other one says that's stupid. And of course, that's when Dorothy and her house falls from the sky and crushes the witch. Also, a side note, the original text, i.e. the physical book and original recording of the episode, 
The Munchkins were named Fink and Frank. I changed the name of Frank to Floyd in honor of a friend of mine who passed away in the summer of 2021. At the moment, there may be a few references to Frank in the podcast that have not been re-recorded or fixed. The real Chapter 1 is titled Lothor. Dorothy meets the two Munchkin brothers who are about to bury her in the middle of nowhere because they think she's dead. She wakes up screaming before the Munchkins can drag her out of the house. That's when we meet Lothor, a shape-shifting warlock with a penchant for rape and necrophilia. He tells Dorothy not to be afraid of the Munchkins because the Munchkins can't hurt anything. Seriously, they can't hurt things. He also advises Dorothy to take the ring from Mombi's cold, dead hand, and gives her some general information about the Land of Oz and her current location, known as the Grey Fields. The Grey Fields, or the Greys, are a limbo of sorts. Once you're in, you're in for good. He tells her of the wizard, and lets her know that he's her best chance of getting back home. Dorothy takes the ring, because I think shoes are outdated and kind of dumb, and it binds itself to her. It also directs her on where to go with a shimmering golden yellow light. It also gives her the unique and coveted ability to enter and exit the greys whenever she wants. So I guess it's more like once you're in, you're in for good. Unless you steal the special ring from the corpse of a dead witch. Also, there are other gray areas. She gathers up some supplies in an old backpack and heads out to see the wizard. You know, that wonderful wizard of... anyway. Also, Lothor gives her a super special book to deliver to, said wizard. Chapter 2 is Scarecrow Part 1. Out of the greys and blissfully unaware of the dangers she is about to face, Dorothy is wandering through the forest. She comes across a small cabin in the woods inhabited by a large ogre. She drops her backpack in the process of hiding from the ogre. This thing grabs it and puts it in the cabin before leaving, not willing to go anywhere without it. Because of that special book from Lothor, she enters the cabin and finds it, along with a crucified scarecrow hanging on the wall. She rescues the scarecrow, and they exit stage right. Or left, or whatever it is Snagglepuss says. They really just leave through the front door, though. Dorothy finds out that her book is missing from the backpack, so she goes back into the cabin. The Scarecrow advises against it, but begrudgingly offers to be the lookout while she is inside. The Ogre returns and kills the Scarecrow with a giant pyramid-head-style sword. I told you there'd be video game references. The ogre notices Dorothy's new ring and lets her go. She takes the scarecrow's body with her. Surprise! Scarecrow isn't dead yet. Turns out he's just like Cyberpunk 2077 on release day. He's 90% broken, but if you patch him up just right, you might get a little use out of him after all. Luckily, he has an infinite spool and a never-dulling needle, so he can always fix himself up. Or have someone else do it. It's kind of like that line from Thank You for Smoking when Rob Lowe explains to Aaron Eckhart that any problem can be solved with one line of dialogue. Thank God we created the, you know, whatever device. 
It's super convenient, I know. But that's not to say he can't be killed by fire or a good old-fashioned shredding. Chapter 3 is The Seamstress. There's a young woman living in the forest, happily awaiting her husband's return from a hunting trip. She's lured into the forest by the sounds of a crying child. She finds the child, a little girl, crying and asks what's wrong. That's a pretty big mistake. The child turns out to be Mombi the Wicked. Mombi informs the seamstress that her husband is a child-raping monster. So, naturally, he had to be killed. There's some gross-out violence here and some dialogue between the two, but ultimately, the seamstress runs home, fearing for her own life. Chapter 4 is The Scarecrow, Part 2. After her fateful meeting with Mombi in the woods, the seamstress spends the next 42 years, 4 months, 2 weeks, 3 days, 6 hours, 45 minutes, and 22 seconds sad and alone. That's when she gets the great idea to just make a new friend. We witness the creation of the Scarecrow, and we witness, for lack of a better term, his childhood. He wanders off into the forest and gets lost. He's not very bright. Also, the woods are kind of a confusing place. He finds himself coming home to the wrong house, where he has a run-in with the ogre that ends up holding him captive and abusing him for years, until Dorothy comes along and saves him, that is. Chapter 5 is The Tin Woodman, The Living Forest, Part 1. Turns out the trees are alive but they don't much care for their fruit being eaten. The gluttonous Dorothy takes more than she eats and throws away the rest. She and the Scarecrow are attacked by the trees. Mister gets his head ripped off. Dorothy is about to have hers ripped off. And that's when the Tin Woodman shows up and saves her. There's a big tree fight. Not a fight between multiple big trees, but a big fight that involves a big tree. The woodman wins, Dorothy fixes the scarecrow, and the three of them are on their way. The woodman silently takes note of Dorothy's shiny ring. Six and seven are the saga of the Tin Woodman, part one and two. We get some backstory on the woodman's pre-tin life. Basically, his wife wanders into the forest. I know, what's with these people wandering into a deadly forest? Doesn't seem like anything good ever comes of it. He goes out in search of her, only to find Mombi is up to no good. He turns out the woodman's wife, Beatrice, ate an apple, and that, of course, is a pretty big no-no. As M.C. Lars would say, You had one job. Don't eat the apple. And if you don't know who M.C. Lars is, uh, go look him up. He's pretty cool. Anyways, Mombi takes Beatrice away, and the woodman, his actual name is Nicholas, gets so angry that Mombi curses him and turns him into a man made of tin. I say tin, but I really just mean metal. He runs back home as a growing storm threatens to rust him. Eventually, the woodman has an Ash of the Evil Dead moment where he decides he's going to sharpen his axe and his fingers and wreak bloody, or I guess sappy vengeance on the forest in search of Mombi and his captive wife. Chapter 8 is The Lion. Dorothy is attacked by the lion, saved by the woodman, attacked by the woodman, and saved by the scarecrow. The woodman has a mental break and becomes the villain. In the end, he takes on the lion as a traveling companion. 
leaving Dorothy and the Scarecrow behind. Chapter 9 is the Deadly Poppy Field. Dorothy falls prey to the Deadly Poppies, because the Scarecrow, now called Mister, can't remember what it was the seamstress told him about the flowers. He tries to save her, but ends up ripping his arms off instead. Chapter 10 is the Queen of the Field Mice. Mr. Scarecrow enlists the help of a queen. The Queen of the Field Mice, that is. She calls forth a legion of mice, and together they make a rope using the infinite spool. Chapter 11 is the Warm Welcome. Dorothy and Mr. stay the night with a nice munchkin couple. She learns a little bit about the Land of Oz and the wizard. She is also entertained with a story of the Great Munchkin War. Remember, munchkins lack the ability to cause bodily harm. It's kind of a silly war. Twelve is the Cold Farewell. The Tin Woodman and the Lion show up in the middle of the night and kill Dorothy and Mr.'s Munchkin hosts. They also kill the Queen of the Field Mice. They leave Dorothy and Mr. alive, vowing to kill anyone that helps them. Chapter 13 is The River and the Stork. Dorothy and Mr. are at an impasse when they find themselves at a large river. They find a bridge, but as luck would have it, the woodman found it first and sabotaged it. The bridge collapses into the river and takes Mr. along with it. Dorothy follows along the riverbank until it leads to a large waterfall, at the bottom of which Mr. is impaled. They are both rescued by a large stork and carried to the other side. The lion kills the stork and runs off. Chapter 14 is Nitfis. It's a spooky abandoned city and probably a terrible place to stay the night. So Dorothy and Mr. naturally stay the night. Dorothy has an intense nightmare full of violence and premonitions. 15 is that much closer. Dorothy and Mr. travel through a large canyon in a largely pointless chapter. We do find out, however, that she is deathly claustrophobic. Chapter 16 is the Green City of Emerald. Our travelers finally reach the City of Emerald. They meet the Guardian of the Gates, a nasty little man who informs them they must wear special glasses and have them clamped and locked onto their heads if they wish to enter the actual city. Upon arrival to the Green Palace, they are told that they will each be granted audience with the wizard but only one at a time and only one a day. They are given separate rooms with all the amenities. Chapter 17 and 18 are The Great and Terrible, Part 1 and 2. Dorothy meets the wizard as a big giant head. He tells her that he will help, but only if she travels westward to the Grey Desert to kill Krista the Vile. Mr. meets the wizard as a beautiful woman who tells him pretty much the same thing. Chapter 19 is The Road to the West, Part 1. Mr. gets a new outfit, and they set out west, and yet another largely pointless chapter. 20 is Il Dayed, Part 1. Dorothy and Mr. enter the strange and quirky city of Il Dayed. The munchkins are actually winkies here. They all seem friendly enough, but none of them actually greet the travelers with spoken words. How strange. They are greeted by a man named Reginald. He is not a munchkin or a winky, but instead a tall, human-sized man. There's something strange about him. He talks a lot, and walks with a bit of a spring in his heel, I mean st 
step. Dorothy offends him, and things get weird. 21 through 25 are Reginald Part 1, Reginald Part 2, the third floor and the patchwork girl, the second floor and the first floor, Reginald Part 3. I know, the chapter naming conventions are terrible, and I apologize, but, you know, only kind of. The sun has set, and Dorothy is taken captive by... Reginald. She is informed that the streets of Il Dyed are dangerous after dark. A bit of nasty business out there. She's also informed that the Winkies can neither hear nor speak. Reginald agrees to let her go, but if she wants to leave with Mr., she will have to find him first, and she only has until the sun rises to do it. If she fails to find him before sunrise, she must stay with Reginald for one more day. Dorothy searches Reginald's mansion frantically, only to find Mr. Confused and waiting patiently at the front door. They are about to leave when their host shows up and points out that the sun has risen and Dorothy has failed. She spends the day listening to Reginald talk about his time in Oz and out of Oz. He predates the wizard, is from London, and was once known by another name. A name that demanded respect. Jack the Ripper. He was Jack the Ripper. Once the sun sets, he holds up his side of the deal and lets Dorothy and Mr. go. Chapter 26 is Il Dyed, Part 2. As Dorothy and Mr. are leaving town, they're confronted by Reginald in the dark streets of this city. It doesn't look like he's happy about them leaving. He's attacked by some kind of weird animal that rips out his tongue. Chapter 27 is The Road to the West, Part 2. With Il Dyed and the insane Reginald behind them, Dorothy and Mr. finally, finally, finally... Make it to the Grey Desert. The Grey Desert disappears as they try to cross over from the Land of Colors. They find themselves standing among a large number of dead wolves. The Tin Woodman is dismantled and hanging from a branch of a nearby tree. He tells them that he was attacked by wolfmen, sent by Krista, no doubt. And the lion tried to escape, but was picked up and carried away by a couple of winged monkeys. He informs them that they might as well give up because the greys are unreachable, and if Krista manages to catch them, they will no doubt be exiled and enslaved. 28 is a murder of crows. Dorothy is attacked by a large murder of crows. Luckily, she is traveling with a scarecrow. He has an incredible Hulk, the secret is always be angry moment, and he kills all the birds, or at least most of the birds. Chapter 29 is the path to the gray desert. Still traveling to the desert, or once again traveling to the desert, Dorothy tells Mr. what she knows of world history, American politics, technology, and Jesus. Chapter 30 is the gray desert. Dorothy realizes why they couldn't enter the desert before. She's the one with the special ring. She's the one that can enter. She leaves Mr. behind and treks through the strange land of the greys. She encounters strange, mostly harmless creatures, and is raped. She's raped by a disgusting moat of sludge before finally reaching the Black Tower. She gets inside, and it's not quite what she was expecting. 
Chapter 31 is Krista, and it's jam-packed with information. Dorothy finds the inside of the tower to be strangely industrial. There's a lot of munchkins doing seemingly menial and largely pointless tasks. The witch is nowhere to be seen, at first. Krista eventually shows up as a large cage is lowered from high above the complex. She looks like Dorothy imagines. Old, frail, off-putting, and disgusting. She seems harmless enough, though. Krista explains that the wizard tricked her. Also explains that she knows Dorothy is there to kill her. She seems pretty cool with that idea, because she kind of just wants to be put out of her misery. She tells Dorothy that the wizard cruelly put a curse on her that keeps her from killing herself. By the end of the chapter, she decides that death is not the answer. And she isn't going to let Dorothy kill her after all. Instead, she throws the young traveler into a prison cell. With the lion. Luckily, he's malnourished and doesn't have the strength to kill her. Dorothy feeds him, and they live in that cell for twenty-nine and a half days. In that time, Krista comes to the conclusion that Dorothy is her replacement. The wizard must have sent her there as a form of sacrifice slash delivery system for that much-coveted ring. With the help of the winged monkeys, she tries to cut Dorothy's finger off, but it doesn't work. Dorothy accidentally splashes the witch with water, and she has a bit of an adverse reaction to it. It doesn't quite melt her, but it really hurts her. The lion finishes her off. Dorothy inherits a bracelet from the dead witch that grants her the ability to free anyone stuck in the greys. She leaves with the lion, but not before freeing a couple of winged monkeys. Upon getting the lion out of the greys, her color returns, although I never really made it clear if her color disappeared in the first place. The lion, however, remains grey. Chapter 32 is The Search for Mr. Dorothy and the lion return to the land of color, only to find Mr. Scarecrow missing. They come across the woodman once again, still strung up in a tree. He says he knows where the scarecrow is, but Dorothy has to get him down and fixed before he'll help. So she does. Once the woodman is whole again, he takes them back to the tree, which is now surrounded by wolves once again, and they kill him. They kill them all. Turns out Mr. was carried away by the winged monkeys and torn apart before being dropped in the tree, the very tree the woodman had been hanging from. He chops it down and Mr. is fixed. 33 is the ever-changing land. They get lost as they try to get back to Emerald, and Dorothy enlists the aid of the flying monkeys. Turns out they work on a tit-for-tat basis. She saved them from the greys, so they owe her. They carry everyone out and fly them back to Emerald. Everyone but the woodman, that is. 34 is the humbug. The travelers are granted an audience with the wizard once again and find out he's not really a wizard, but is instead Joseph Smith. Yes, that Joseph Smith. He tells them that Emerald isn't really green, but is instead just kind of a big, shiny magic trick. He admits to being a fraud, admits that he can't help Dorothy get home, and explains that the witches are locked away in the greys by sheer luck. They stole all the emeralds for him to use for his city, and in the process created the grey areas, and just simply 
couldn't get out of them. He also explains that the witches can't kill themselves. They can try, but they can never succeed. He explains other things as well, but that's the important stuff. Dorothy gives him the book from Lothor. He tells her that the book is probably not really meant for him, but instead for a witch down south. If she delivers the book, maybe that witch can help her get home. Intermission. It's just a break in the book to let you know things are going to go downhill from here on out. 35 is the ballad of Audrey Wilkinson and the song of Ian Gale. It's the story of how Dorothy came to be. It tells the story of her father's death and her mother's addiction to drugs and alcohol. It essentially explains how Dorothy ended up living with her Aunt Em and Uncle Henry in Sterling, Kansas, at the early age of three years old. 36 is Welcome Home. Audrey Gale gets clean and plans to return to Dorothy on her seventh birthday. Those plans are upended when Audrey is killed in a car crash upon arrival in Sterling, Kansas. 37 is the road south. Dorothy, Mr., and the lion set out southward. Southward? Southbound. Either way, they're headed south, guided by a magical compass that always points to the southern ocean. I know. It's convenient. 38 is the living forest. The trees are alive. Or at least the forest is. Dorothy and company fight to survive against a forest full of snake-like vines that want to kill them. 39 is Idnis Itza, more commonly referred to as China country. The travelers find themselves in a strange porcelain city. Things go wrong. Very, very wrong. They take a turn for the worse when Mr. accidentally crushes a cathedral. Forty is the Black Marsh. After narrowly escaping Idnes at Saul, the travelers find themselves in a sticky black marsh being hunted by a strange spider-like creature. It shreds Mr. and wraps Dorothy up in a cocoon before facing off against the lion. 41 is the Quadling Ruins. After rescuing Dorothy and repairing Mr. yet again, the travelers discover a large Mayan-esque temple. This is the home of the Quadlings, a tribal race of munchkins that have the ability to hurt and cause pain. Remember, regular munchkins can't hurt anyone. The men have long arms and no neck. The women have long necks and no arms. Mister is impaled on a large pike. Dorothy is nearly raped, and the lion saves the day by tearing the quadlings limb from limb. In the process, he becomes blood-soaked and blood-stained, becoming now the Red Lion. Dorothy fixes up Mr. yet again, and the three of them continue on their way to the Blue Ocean. 42 is the ocean and the first island. Dorothy and her band of travelers find themselves at an impasse. They don't know how to cross the ocean without a boat. Luckily, they discover an invisible bridge that gets them to the first island. The first island finds our heroes facing off against an army of the dead in the vast desert landscape as a large stone king watches. Luckily, the remaining quadlings show up and do all the fighting for them. The stone king carries them away to the second island. 43 is the second island. Imagine that. It's a nice, warm, tropical island with a secret. They try to get to the other side, only to find themselves right back where they started. 
Every time they cross, they end up right back where they started. Every time they cross, they get right back. You get the idea. After nearly going insane and nearly calling it quits, Dorothy figures out the secret of the island. It's... Well, I'm not going to say. You can go listen to it if you want. But rest assured, they get off the island and make their way to Chapter 44, The Third Island. There isn't much to say about 44. They make it to the Palace of Glinda the Good with minimal problems. 45 is the Red Door. Upon entering Glinda's Keep, they are presented with three doors, red, orange, and blue. The lion goes through the Red Door. It's his nightmare. Long corridors lined with prison cells, like in Krista's Black Tower. Each cell holds a Kaleida, or two, or three. Kaleidas are like a tiger crossed with a bear, and are responsible for the near extinction of lions. He goes through the corridor and finds himself in a hedge maze, and surrounded by these fierce creatures. He fights them off, but ultimately he... well... It's not so good. 46 is the blue door. Mister goes through the blue door. He finds himself stuck in a chamber with the woodman. Dorothy, along with his mother, the seamstress, lie dead on the floor, as is the mangled carcass of the lion. He has a knife in his hand and is unsure of what just happened. Did he kill his friends and family? He teams up with the manipulative woodman, and together they escape this dungeon. They travel the outer wall of the castle to another tower. This second tower has a large staircase hugging the wall with a large pool of water at the bottom of it. Long, intense, story short, and less intense, Mr. knocks the woodman into the water. He escapes the tower, only to be taken out by a large crow. Chapter 47 is The Orange Door. We see Dorothy at home in Kansas, a storm closing in on the farm. In the midst of a tornado forming in the front yard, she sees a familiar face. She runs outside, and the house is overtaken by the savage weather. 48, 49, and 50 are Glinda Part 1, Part 2, and Part 1.5. Dorothy finally meets Glinda, who claims she will help the outsider get home. Dorothy gives her the book, and before you know it, the witch is dead. Before she can help Dorothy. Turns out the book was carrying some sort of witch-killing monsters. Dorothy inherits a pair of glasses from Glinda the Dead and puts them on. The glasses grant her the ability to see almost anywhere in Oz. Chapter 51 is the Silver Glasses and the Long Road to Emerald. They travel back to Emerald. Chapter 52 is the Return to Emerald. Dorothy tries to use the glasses and find the woodman, but she can't see him anywhere. Upon entering the city, Dorothy, the lion, and Mr. find... Trouble. 53 and 54 are Don't Forget the Woodman and The Woodman's Rage. He manages to get back to Emerald and murders everyone he comes across. He has an interesting conversation with the wizard about Dorothy possibly being a witch, but likely not being a witch. He tells the woodman that Dorothy has the ability to travel into the grace and apparently take people and things into and out of them as well. He then kills the wizard. Chapter 55 is The Return of Dorothy Gale. 
Dorothy and her friends find Emerald soaked in blood, and the woodman with the corpse of the dead wizard Joseph Smith. The woodman decides he needs Dorothy's help in saving his wife and retrieving her from the gray fields. And if she won't help him, he might as well just kill her and inherit the ring and bracelet himself. As he's about to kill Dorothy, the lion, now drunk on the wizard's alcohol and raging, takes him out. There's a bit of a kerfuffle, and Dorothy escapes the throne room with the severed head of Mr. and one of his arms. Epilogue Part 2 Finds Dorothy alone, and encompassed in darkness, without the ring, bracelet, or glasses. She's in pain, and trying, desperately trying, to keep herself awake. That's it. That's the recap of Dark Days of Dorothy Gale. Come back soon for a great big announcement involving the story of Dorothy Gale. But for now, I'll just say, thanks for listening. I love you all. <laughs>